Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning, and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 706. We're off to a good start already because we have at least a half dozen goldfinches dancing in the berry trees right behind our studios here on the south shore of Massachusetts this morning. And as we air our show live, it's the 16th of December. And among other things, it means that we are two days into a marvelous event that's been going on since Christmas Day in 1900. An event in which folks venture outdoors to designated areas and count the types and numbers of birds they see and hear over the course of a day with the data collected used to keep track of the health of bird populations in the Western Hemisphere. It's the Christmas bird count. This year's count started this past Friday, December 14th, and will run through January 5th, 2019. And although many counts are full, it may still be possible to join one of the hundreds of circles all over the U.S., most of Canada, and many places in Central and South America, or at least put it on your calendar for next year. You can even participate from home as long as you're within a Christmas bird count circle. Audubon.org has all the info about it, or check with your local bird club or Audubon chapter. Meanwhile, thanks to Jim McCoy and Donna Cooper for letting us tag along in their part of the Merrimack Valley Bird Club's Christmas bird count yesterday up in beautiful Andover and North Andover, Massachusetts. More on that uh, later. Well, this is one of the many birds we did not see on our Christmas bird count Yesterday, at least in the morning portion that we were taking part in. And it's still a mystery because it's our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. Our bird is a small, mottled, brown and white, round-headed raptor with a white V between the eyes and fine white streaks on the head. Our bird, whose diet consists mainly of mice, lives in all types of woodlands and in winter can be found roosting in small, dense conifers. Its defense, when discovered, is to sit still rather than fly away, causing folks to think of it as tame. That would be our mystery bird. That's a preview of the contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. We have wonderful prizes, including the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. This is a great little feeder that lets you see the birds up close with an obstructed view. Sorry, an unobstructed view view. A little clarification there. This is great for introducing kids to looking at birds. Bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. The app that makes learning bird sounds a game. On our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. An appearance by a spectacular mandarin duck in New York's Central Park caused quite a stir recently. But where did it get that name, mandarin duck? 
A New York Post article has the answer along with the recommendation for a terrific book about where birds get their names. We'll connect you. It seems like a big year for barred owls, at least here in the U.S., but that's also meant more encounters with automobiles. We'll link you to a story of how the birds are keeping a Massachusetts wildlife clinic very busy. And winds of climate change will affect migratory birds. That's the title of a piece from the Cornell Chronicle that suggests changing winds may make it harder for North American birds to migrate south in the autumn, but easier for them to come north in the spring. We'll connect you to that story. And that's some of what's on our Facebook page right now. Not a Facebook follower? Well, you can also find those stories through an online search. We are happy and grateful once again to be welcoming more new Talking Birds ambassadors uh, to our ambassadors family. And guess where our newest ambassador is from? That's right, the Rough Rider State. Also known as the Peace Garden State. Welcome, Jerry, from Bismarck, North Dakota. Thank you so much, Jerry, for becoming a new Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you to Jeannie Dana from Gary, New York, as in gerrymandering, which they tell me is actually the correct pronunciation, but more on that later. Um, thank you so much, Jeannie. She has a wonderful um, newsletter, by the way, called Environmental Hub, and we're grateful to Jeannie because she posts our podcasts there, too. Worth checking out. It's a beautiful newsletter, Environmental Hub. And thank you to Eric L. from Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. He says he loves to download our shows and listen to them at work. Thank you so much, Eric. Talking Birds listeners, will you join Eric and Jeannie and Jerry and become a Talking Birds ambassador? Pretty easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. Tim is nodding. He's agreeing with me that this is pretty easy. TalkingBirds.com. Find the contact button up at the top of the page and then choose the uh, become an ambassador option. Does that sound about right, Tim? I think... I think we got it? Okay. I think we have it, Captain. All right. Thank you. Uh, Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man, Mike O'Connor, in our Let's Ask Mike segment, uh, talking about something we mentioned a moment ago, window feeders. And up next, a much-loved, oh, I I almost forgot our main main guest on the show today. How, How could I forget? Matt Young. The collections management leader for the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's world renowned Macaulay Library, home of the world's largest archive of audio and video recordings of birds and other animals, will be our special guest. He'll be talking about evening grosbeaks and other really amazing, fascinating stuff about finches moving south this year. So, next, a much loved but maybe misnamed bird is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Looking out our window from Talking Birds World Headquarters with our narrow but lovely view of Boston Harbor this past Thursday, we were treated to first of the season views of a common loon and male and female members of the species that serves as today's featured feathered friend, the bufflehead. <laughs> A sea duck whose contrasting black and white coloring and its diminutive size causes some birders to refer to it as the chickadee of the duck world. 
The adult male sports a dark, rounded head, which shimmers green and purple in the right light, and a big white patch on the back of the head. And his body is white from the waterline up to his black back. The female is duller with an overall dark gray appearance, broken only by an oval of white behind her eye. Both sexes have a short gray bill and flash white patches on their wings in flight, and they feed by diving, mostly for insects in fresh water and for crustaceans and mollusks in salt water. But what about the name of this bird? The scientific name, Eucephala albiola, comes from ancient Greek words for bullheaded, as a reference to the bird's bulbous head shape, and the white on its head. That makes sense, but we might call the choice of the common name into question, because the buffle in bufflehead refers to the big-headed animal that once thundered in vast herds over many parts of North America. That's the American bison, which isn't any kind of buffalo. So if we want to be picky, and apparently we do, we should maybe call this species not the bufflehead, but the bison head. Or we could just go with chickadee of the duck world. Eucephala albiola, the bison, uh, the bufflehead. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 706. Hey, if you like our show, we, we hope you'll tell your friends about it, please. And uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Well, Matt Young is the collections management leader for the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's world-renowned Macaulay Library, home of the world's largest archive of audio and video recordings of birds and other animals. More about that in a couple of minutes. But first, Matt joins us to talk about wintering finches and especially the return of a seemingly long-lost and much-missed species, the beautiful evening grosbeak. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you back with us again, Matt. You know, when I lived on Cape Cod in the uh, 1980s, uh, Matt, evening grosbeaks were reliable, common winter visitors. We almost kind of took them for granted, and that was true in certainly many other places as well. But then they kind of disappeared. What happened to them? Yeah, they did. They've uh, kind of been in a long decline here the last, I'd say, since the early 1990s. Mm. Um, you know, I have an interesting history in that they were never really that, they weren't really known to be a northeastern bird um, back in the late 1800s. But they kind of made these big movements west to east across the boreal forests of Canada to the northeast. And, uh, you know, these periodic eruptions would started to become more and more common in the 20s and 30s and 40s to the point where, like you said, they were eventually, they got to the point where they were common birds and some people even, you know, would get to the point where they would be a little grumpy about the, the, the seed bill at the end of the week. <laughs> Too much of a good thing. <laughs> Too much of a good yeah. thing. They would call them grocery beaks. That was one of the names <laughs> right. um, that they joked about. So, um, you know, they, they started to make these eruptions, and they got to the point where they were actually annual in parts of the Northeast from the mm -hmm. 60s to the early 90s. And a lot of that, they think, was uh, linked to uh, high reproductive success and 
opportunistic feeding on spruce budworm outbreaks in the Canadian boreal forest. Right. So the spruce budworms is, uh, are, are dependent on on for the for the evening gross beaks and feeding their chicks right for that protein. So that has a big effect on their populations. Exactly. That that was uh, certainly the the main. You know, theory that everybody seemed to latch on is that, you know, they, their numbers perfectly coincide with two major outbreaks from 1945 to 1955. And then again from like 1965 uh, to 1988. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, it was the early 90s, they started to become less and less common. And then to the point where they were biennial in that they were erupting every other year. And so, like, now it's uh you know some people have commented you know it's the first time in a generation that we've seen something like the event that's going on right now wow well this kind of goes uh, goes backwards a little bit but when they started to become common in the east anyway uh the box elder tree had a lot to do with that right yes that's that's the belief it was a kind of the following of a baited highway in Hmm. areas that were becoming developed in parts of the canadian plains um, they loved the Samaras on the box elder tree, and they just progressively moved eastward um, to the point where, like I said, they decided to set up shops, start nesting, and, you know, populations kind of took off. And the last 20 years now, 25 years or something, they've been going the other way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, this is a big year, and I think you were telling me earlier, uh, Matt, that you were out on a Christmas bird count yesterday and racked up quite a number of evening gross beaks. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, in fact, I had a flock of 65 and a feeder. Um, there were other, another report of 80. So I think you know we're gonna we're gonna hit numbers possibly over 200 on the count that we did yesterday here in Cortland, uh, New York. Wow. Um, it was it was nice, and and almost every group, well, two th- at least two thirds of the groups reported at least flyovers or small flocks. At, you know, throughout the count, which we again we haven't seen since. 2002, 2001, mm-hmm. 2002, the winter of. So, yeah. And, and Matt, I'm told that you have kind of a special connection with the uh, Evening Grows Beak. Can you, <laughs> what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was, uh, I was uh, in uh, one of the, the first full year of AmeriCorps back in 1995 in the Cascades in Mount Adams. Um, I was actually uh, living at a base camp, hmm. an old forest uh, Forest Service base camp, um, and it was across the street during that year that birds were coming into to this feeder, uh, just big flocks of them, and uh, just was you know as they as they kind of do to everybody, they just kind of draw you in <laughs> um, their beauty and their sound and just how gregarious they are and the bill, just uh, just about everything. And then when I moved kind of east, you know. Uh, yeah, I remember when I first moved to Ithaca in 97, the fall of 97, which actually coincided with the last, what I would call, true super flight of, of finches, where every single one of the finches moved in huge numbers, um, something we haven't seen. I think back in the 70s was the last time. It was a really, really big super flight. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was talking to a local general, a friend of mine, when I first moved to the area, and I said, hey, where can I go and find some gross beaks, and so I went to a local spot, um, and I went up to Summerhill State Forest and uh, found flocks of big flocks of evening gross beaks. And over time, I've built friendships up with people around the bird. In fact, uh, one of the spots yesterday, that spot 
I became good friends with this one person. I uh, had, had the flock of 80 birds <laughs> yesterday on the count. So it was pretty special, yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny how things work in life sometimes. <laughs> right. By the way, in what parts of the country might folks have a reasonable chance, you think, of seeing evening gross peaks this winter? Um, certainly, you know, the northeast and, and upper mid-Atlantic, um, there's, there's numbers. And, you know, even down, the first reports have come in from Tennessee and North Carolina in the last week. Mm-hmm. So I think Georgia even has a, a chance this year mm-hmm. of getting in on evening gross beak fun, and I don't think they've seen any in at least six or seven years. Yeah, that'll be, so, that'll, that'll be pretty special. Yeah, it will be, definitely. Well, we can't go without talking a bit, uh, before you go, Matt, about the Macaulay Library, home of nearly 10 million Photos, audio, videos featuring 10,000 species of birds, thousands of species and of other animals. And we can all access much of this right on the website, right? MacaulayLibrary.org. And there's another new wrinkle in all this, right? You can tell us about it. Yes. Well, it's relatively new, but about three years ago, we made the decision um, to, to kind of build an upload tool that people could use through the eBird portal of entering their bird checklist when they go out birding. And you can now, you know, last three years, you've been able to um, upload audio and images. We're still kind of working on the video part of it, but you can upload uh, audio and images to your checklist. And we've exponentially grown since then. I mean, we had maybe 200,000 recordings at that point, up to that point. So we were archiving for decades, and then just in the last three years and we're now pushing you know pretty close to 500,000 480,000 audio recordings in the collection now wow it's macaulaylibrary.org we should spell that it's a little tricky it's m-a-c-a-u-l-a-y macaulaylibrary.org matt young is the collections management leader for the cornell labs world-renowned macaulay library Matt, thank you so much uh, for being with us and for all that uh, great information. We hope we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. Matt Young there at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology joining us here on Talking Birds. Meanwhile, uh, I don't know if Mike O'Connor has seen any Evening Grow Speaks lately. He had some live on the air with us a few weeks ago. But in any case, we'll... Uh, We'll check uh, with Mike about uh, something to do with backyard bird feeding. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasera-safaris.com. N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Let's see, who can we blame this on? I'll say that was a misprint on our schedule list here that made me say that we had Mike O'Connor next. That's not correct. Mike O'Connor is coming along in a few minutes. Right now, what it is, is our mystery bird contest. This would kind of prove that. Here. 
It's our mystery bird. It's a small mottled brown and white round-headed raptor with a white V between the eyes and fine white streaks on the head. Our bird, whose diet consists mainly of mice, lives in all types of woodlands and in winter can be found roosting in small, dense conifers. Its defense, when discovered, is generally to sit still rather than fly away, causing folks to think of it as tame. And they also think of it as one of the cutest birds uh, in the forest. That would be our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take a guess. No correct answer means you may still win because the drawing will determine our winner if we don't get an exactly correct answer. So give it a try and have a chance to win our beautiful prizes. The Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder that lets you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view in a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So a couple of cool prizes. You heard the clues and the uh, sound of our bird. What is it? 781 837 4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Now for real, we're going to go and check with Mike O'Connor. Uh, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Greg Bodker. I'm from Houghton Lake, Michigan. I became an ambassador for Ray Brown's Talking Birds because even as an intermediate birder, I learned something new in most shows. And I thought that other serious birders would enjoy the show too. When I refer my friends to Talking Birds, I talk about conservation efforts that I learned about and interesting tidbits that I don't come across in field guides. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Cape Cod, Massachusetts is the destination right by the rotary there in beautiful Orleans on the lower Cape. And Mike O'Connor, I think, is down there. You ought to be there by now. We've introduced them twice down there at the Bird Watchers General Store. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, I got pushed aside for the mystery bird. What the heck? I was all ready to go. and uh... We won't let it happen again. <laughs> 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 yeah, this, you know, the schedules, we get these, uh, these outlines. They get, uh, you know, you get misprints. And this you corporate happen. types. I don't know. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, uh, Mike, uh, you, you may have heard we just mentioned that uh, we're going to give away one of those beautiful droll Yankees uh, observer window feeders on the uh, on our mystery bird contest and that happens to be kind of your uh, topic here this morning right well yeah. I, I know you've been giving those away and yeah. i've especially this time of year i get uh, grandparents coming in looking for gifts and they one of the things they always say i want to get my grandkids into birds and that lasts for a suggestion and mm-hmm. one of them is those kind of feeders window feeders yeah. i think were are really good for kids because you put a feeder out in the, in the backyard somewhere and you know kids don't you know they really can't focus on anything or they don't they're not looking but you put something close my wife back in the day was a school teacher and she would have a window feeder for the kids and well for the birds but when when the birds came the kids would be quiet and they'd focus in on the birds and they would come in and back in those days we would get like what you guys were talking about earlier evening gross beaks which hopefully will be back again this year for everybody um but that's a good way for 
for, uh, for grandparents or anybody, for sure, you know, put, uh, to put a window feeder, those stick-on-the-window suction cup feeders. Yeah. I would get a simple one. I would try to avoid the kind. They have these kind with, like, a film on it, so they offer, like, a like a mirrored effect so the birds don't see you. Huh? But I find those to be not very clear because of the film. You get a reflection yourself. You don't see the birds as well. I think if the kids are quiet, and, and goodness knows we try to get the kids to be quiet, they're <laughs> a little quieter when, when the birds land there, and the birds will come either way. Uh, I think the suction cup feeders are, are really a good option. If you're worried about squirrels or squirrels start knocking it off, you can also... What we do here at the store, we use it like a, a bracket or a plant hanger and hang a traditional feeder right in front of the window. So now it's in front of the window still, and it's very close for everybody to see, but it's secured on with like a hanger, and you can even hang one of those uh, squirrel-proof feeders right there if that's a problem. But the, the, the plastic ones are, with suction cups are inexpensive for a grandparent to get for a kid. Put it up there, put some sunflower seeds in there. Um, I think that's a, it's a good option to get kids, uh, you know, interested in that, and maybe they'll get some evening grow sticks, which would be awesome. Yeah, seeing those up close would be pretty cool. Oh, they would cool. knock your socks off. Oh, Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, you could, they'd never go back to video games. <laughs> well, maybe they would. All right, Leave Mike. For five minutes. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Sounds great. Okay. See you All later. right, Mike O'Connor down there at the legendary Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod, back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. Here's a cool bird to see. It's a mystery. A small, mottled, brown and white, round-headed raptor with a white V between the eyes and fine white streaks on the head. Our bird's diet consists mainly of mice. Lives in all types of woodlands in winter, roosting in small, dense conifers. Defense when discovered often to sit still rather than fly away, causing folks to think of it as tame. And the way people call birds cute, boy, this one really uh, kind of fits into that for sure. Tell us what it is or take your guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. And we have those beautiful prizes, including that Droll Yankees Observer window feeder and uh, that Larkwire app. Uh, download for your iOS device or online Access. 781-837-4900 is the number, and Ben is in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. I, I can't seem to win at all. Well, you let's haven't try, even guessed yet. I know. Let's try, oh. a king, let's try a kingfisher. Let's try a kingfisher, Tim. Let's Go run ahead. it by Tim, and he's the arbiter here. Go ahead. Yeah, Tim, what do you think? Uh, kingfisher. <laughs> that would seem to indicate that a kingfisher is not the uh, bird we had in mind here. Okay. But thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. All right. Uh, not a kingfisher, our mystery bird. What do you think it is? 781-837-4900. Get to us quickly before we run out of time here uh, to tell us what that mystery bird is or to uh, take uh, your guess and uh, see if you win in a, in a drawing. Meanwhile, we have this kind of an important announcement to make here. If you'd like to listen to any or all of our past Talking Bird shows, you can just open the podcast app that's built into your iPhone or the Google Podcast app on your Android phone and just type Talking Birds into the search bar. Yeah, Talking Birds. And then, this is our favorite part, click subscribe, uh, and then you can get alerts about when the next podcast is available and just a click away. Uh, you can also find Talking Birds on various other podcast providers. If you don't find us on your favorite app, uh, please 
let us know. We're going to try to clear another call through here before we run out of time. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Meanwhile, we can give this reminder about next week when we'll hear about plants that invite birds for the holidays. When we talk with the Nebraska State Arboretum plant expert, Justin Ebertson, that's on our next Talking Birds show. And we're going to squeeze a call through here. Uh, maybe maybe not. Uh, here's the bird just, to, just for entertainment purposes anyway to hear this pretty cool sounding bird. The prize, the Droll of Yankees Observer Window Feeder. And the download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. We have just about run out of time. That is going to have to be it. And uh, we're going to have to flip the cards and identify this mystery bird, which is the northern saw-wet owl. The northern saw-wet owl. It's pretty amazing what owls uh, have developed with these asymmetrical ear patterns. Not all owls, but they are one of them. So they can locate their prey incredibly well. That is all the time for our show this morning. See you next week. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. Have a good week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning, and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club.